Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, the owner of Townsend Family Law and an experienced family law lawyer practicing in all areas of divorce law in the city of Toronto. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to have as my guest, Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay is an author and a coach, and she has an amazing uh, divorce story that she's going to be sharing with us and lots of great information and lessons that uh, I think will be helpful to so many of uh, my listeners. So welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Thank you. It's good to be here. So why don't we start by having you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and, you know, just um, as we were chatting before, the, maybe like the highlights of your story, uh, because it is such an incredible story. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I I spent most of my life in corporate. I was in sales for 15 years and uh, I was going through a divorce it kind of knocked me on my butt. It, it knocked me off my feet. And I had a huge wake up call. There was a lot of things that um, I realized about myself during that process. Um, and after, you know, I, I picked myself up off the ground and uh, realized who I was and what I wanted to offer to this world and be what kind of parent I wanted to be. Um, I, I, I achieved so much success that looking back after that year, of um, really focusing in on what my core values was, I realized that I had a bigger purpose in this world. And so I left my corporate job after several years and I absolutely loved it and went on this pursuit to figure out um, what my overall purpose was. And during that time, I hit some massive uh, trials and adversity, which made me realize that I am not the only human going through things. And it made me look at um, what we go through as individuals on a whole new basis and how it affects our world as parents, as it affects our world in the workplace, as it affects our world with our, our ourselves and the way we take care of our body and the way that we surround ourselves with certain people. And so I really started to become a, a coach that helps people turn their trials into triumphs, uh, start speaking on it and, um, and writing on it. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, and it's divorce is such a negative, you know, experience for most people. I, I don't think, you know, even people who are driving the divorce or who want it to leave don't usually say, Oh, like, um, you know, get the divorce process was fabulous. Like, you know, somebody might come out the other end, like, like you have, like, I'm divorced as well. And I find after, you know, you go through it and you, um, the, the legal issues get resolved and you heal and you move forward. It is a, f a fantastic new life that you, you can have and it can be a very positive thing. But the actual kind of when you're in the midst of it, um, is not usually something people particularly, um, enjoy. So. You know, when with your own divorce, um, I mean, what were some of the the challenges that you faced, and how did you cope with them, or how would you suggest to someone now that they cope with them? Because maybe you you learned and would do things differently. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think for me, um, it took me almost three years to build up the courage and the the strength to actually serve papers. I knew that it would, um, it would, because uh, it was such a, a, it was very conflict, high conflict, right? And so um, I knew that there was going to be a lot of wrath. So it, it took me a lot of strength to build up to be able to do that. 
Um, and then when it did happen, the amount of things like my my poor son had to go through, right? The, the things that he would say to my son, not because he wanted to hurt. Um, I don't think that he necessarily wanted to hurt my son. He he was trying to get back at me in a way, but also I, I learned that he was also hurting and hurt people hurt people, right? And they don't mean to, but that's the only thing that they might know how to do. Um, and so one of the things that I really stood by when I got a divorce was um, I was never gonna say anything negative about my ex to my son or around my son. I wasn't going to allow that kind of negative talk to be discussed around my son. Um, and, and that was just a really big rule that I had no matter how bad it got. And how old was your son when you divorced? He was six. Okay. So yeah, so that's, that's a tough age. Uh, you know, um, my own kids were like one and a half and three and a half. And I often say to people like that was actually a great age for them to be because they don't know any different life than their dad and I being apart. So they didn't really have to adjust to anything. Um, whereas, you know, by six, a child is used to life with mom and dad. And you touched on something there that, um, you know, is a problem that happens a lot where you have, you're doing your best to keep your, your child or your children out of the divorce. You're not bad mouthing, you, you know, the other parent to them, but the other parent isn't doing that, that at all. They're, they're bad mouthing you and they're, and, and, and it's having an effect on, on your child. So if, you know, if someone out there listening is in that type of situation, their ex is bad mouthing them, they're trying to be the bigger person and not engage in that, but their child is saying things and it's really upsetting. Like, how should someone deal with that type of situation? Uh, that just gives me chills because it's so real. And I haven't really met a whole lot of people going through a divorce where both of them are protecting, you know, the other one's reputation with their child. Um, there's always, there. it's, you know, it's divorce. I'll never forget the day that I was walking with my son. He had just come home from his dad's. We had all this, we had situations like this happen all the time, but um, my son was, I was talking to him. He wasn't in trouble. I wasn't yelling at him, but like I was talking to him about a situation that he needed, he needed to learn from. And he looked at me and said, mom, are you mad at me? Because dad said never to get, get let mom get mad at you or else you kick me out like you kicked him out. And that like, I stopped and I was just like, and that still sticks with me because I'm just like, oh my gosh, like what is this child? What kind of, what kind of, what does he, when he looks at me, what does he think about? You know, like if this is what is going through his head. And it, it was really hard for me to not respond in that moment, not to fend myself in that moment. But I always challenge people to stop, assess the situation, figure out who you want to be, right? Who you want to be in the situation, what you want the outcome to be. Because what happens is if we do respond in those situations and we feed into that, it just gets worse. And then you're putting your kid in the middle of it. And then they're having, they're feeling pulled between one another, right? But when we stop and we figure out like, this is a child, they don't know any different right now. And you get to show up as the person that you wanna be and be the example that you wanna be. And if that person um, just says, you know what, I, I, daddy daddy probably didn't mean that, or uh, mommy probably didn't mean that, but you know, mom would never kick you out. You know, however you wanna say that and just like correct the situation so they truly know that they can come to you with this kind of stuff 
and you can share with them how you really feel and give them a chance to autocorrect without them feeling like you're being defensive or upset or taking that exactly back to dad or mom, whoever it is. Um, I, I think it's really important for you to really vision. And, and I've heard this on your podcast before, but when we can give ourselves the opportunity to dream and vision what we want life to look like five years down the road, uh, we don't, we have to give ourselves the permission to not take our past with us into our future. And we get to decide what our own future is. And once you know what that looks like, then you can start making choices that align with it instead of just going in reactionary mode. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that's such great advice. It, you know, it's hard to, to do, but people like, you know, that's all we have control over is our own reaction. We can't control what someone is saying or doing. So yeah. um, that your advice is really accurate there and really helpful. Um, one of the things you touched upon is core values. So um, how did you develop your core values and, and what advice do you have to somebody else out there in terms of developing core values and how they can be useful. I love core values. And uh, it was during my divorce when I could barely move from the couch was staring at a blank wall, just in awe, just trying to figure out what life looks like. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't doing my job. I, I don't even know if I knew where my son was half the time. Like I was rock bottom. And uh, I remember I had this like work binder that I, I had with me and out of it fell a piece of paper. And I don't know if you've ever been mad at a piece of paper before, but I, I was very upset at this piece of paper because I knew exactly what was on it. It was the core values that I had written down three years earlier. And it was my core values. And I was really frustrated because I, I didn't know what the point of finding out what your core values were or stating them if you didn't even know how to apply them, apply them or what to do with them. And I think so often in our world today, it's we don't know how to actually take what is so meaningful to us and actually apply it and, and use it in our life every day. Um, and so I created this core values workshop that I'll give to you, your listeners for free. It's livemyvalues.com. Um, and, and I'll share it with you, but it's a, when you figure out what is most important to you, not what you think is supposed to be most important to you then you actually start to really like live in light, right? You start to live with energy because not only is it important to know what is important to you, but it, it's important to know what, um, what it looks like to live it, give it and receive it. And when you have a clear vision of what those things look like, you know when you're getting it and you know when you're not getting it. And there's a clear difference of um, be like operating off of a full cup and operating off of an empty cup. And so the difference for me, and I'll tell you, like one night um, I was, I was, it was after dinner and uh, my son left the dinner table and ran to the floor playing with his wrestlers and turned on the TV. And I looked at him and I'm like, oh, he's content. He's perfect. Everything's great. So I pick up my phone. I start going through my messages, start looking at my day for tomorrow. One thing leads to another. I end up on my FaceTime or my Facebook or social media, whatever, right? And every once in a while, he would turn around and look at me and be like, mom. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then go back to what I'm doing. Well, there's actually studies that show that kids that see your head down in an electronic device, the more that they see that, the more that they recognize it as being busy and they start to go find their own answers. And there's a big difference between you and an electronic device versus you in like reading a book or a magazine. Right. The study actually shows that. And what I realized is 
my son was looking at me, noticing that I'm busy and I'm just going, "Uh uh-huh, because I'm so wrapped into what I'm looking at that I was negotiating what I call the core value as my family time for whatever I felt like was important in the moment. And I was still operating off of this empty cup. I didn't go sit down on the floor with him and I wasn't like present emotionally with him. I was physically present. Um, When I did this challenge for myself and switched it over and I decided to to figure out what it looks like to live it, give it and receive it when it comes to when it comes to my values, I I gave myself this 30 day challenge and which ended up going on a year. And when I did that and I looked back at it, I went on vacations. I had a new genuine relationship, an authentic relationship with my child. I developed a co-parenting relationship with my ex. I met my now husband. I had hobbies and friends outside of work. I had my most successful year in my corporate career and I saved over six figures. And when I look back, I'm like, what was the difference? Well, the clear difference was I was operating continuously off of a full cup and I had a GPS system and that GPS system was my values. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Now, when you went through your divorce um, to to go through the healing and get to where you are now, did you work with somebody yourself um, or how did you, you know, do that? How did you do the healing process or how did you heal? My attorney was one of the greatest gifts for me because she, um, as, and I encourage people to really look for this also when, when you have kids um, and you're going through a divorce, there is conflict. There's differences of opinion. We all know that. My attorney asked me several times, do you want to really fight for this? Is this more important than, you know, the the environment that you want to like, who do you want to be for your for your kid? And when she really constantly pulled my son into this and made me think about who I want to be, I started to realize what was important and, and how to pick my battles. And that lit, stayed with me long after I signed the papers. And so the healing journey started with her, like really helping me figure out what that looks like. Um, And then I did, uh, I did do a co-parenting. I had co-parenting counseling. Um, My ex and I both signed up for co-parenting counseling. That was part of our agreement in our mediation. And um, he showed up to the first two. And after the second one, he was actually kicked out. And he said that we had to go separately because he could not, he could not be in that room um, or handle himself. And, he never went back. Um, I went. I went back every week for three years. Wow. Now, would you characterize your own divorce as a high conflict divorce? It was pretty. Um, I would say it was high conflict. Um, it was high conflict. It was messy. It was there was uh, there was manipulation, narcissistic stuff going on. It was yes. I would definitely characterize it as as that. So what would be your biggest piece of advice to somebody who is in the middle of a high conflict divorce and um, their their ex is, you know, fighting them on everything? Because, you know, this is what I find as a lawyer. And I find that people often seem to find lawyers who are like themselves. So difficult, high conflict, narcissistic people seem to inevitably find a lawyer who is also that way. So, you know, it's like you're having the two of them whacking, you know, the other party. And um, it, I find with clients, it can be very difficult um, sometimes when they have an ex who's opposing them on everything, 
and beating them down. And I can see the effect that it's having on them. Um, and I don't want them to just fold and acquiesce and give up everything. But, you know, like your your own lawyer, I want them to kind of focus on like what is truly important here. And do you, do you want to keep fighting at this level for three, four, five years, pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, not be present for your child because you're embroiled in this high conflict process, um, or do you, you know, pick some things and and let other some things go? Um, so, like, as someone who was, you know, kind of in that situation, what is your advice to somebody out there who finds themselves there right now? Mm, yeah, I love this question. Thank you. What you feed grows. That's like my first my first thing. What you feed grows, and hurt people hurt people. Uh, especially in high conflict, if somebody is being high conflict, if you react to that, then it just it just escalates, it grows because it's constantly. So what you feed, so just knowing that is, is key. Um, the second thing I would say is I always, this is the way that I kind of view it. If you have kids and you're going through a divorce, this uh, death do your you part thing that you say at the altar when you get married, uh, it doesn't necessarily go away when you sign the divorce papers because there's another human involved that both of you all are involved with and uh, you will constantly have um, connection with that person until your children are grown and even there long after that right um so so get that into your head and figure out what that what you want that to look like do you want to live in conflict or do you want to pick your battles and figure out what's important to you and 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 just really fight for those things, you know, and set your boundaries with those. Um, and the other visualization I really like to give is imagine, and you might, and a lot of people see this, but imagine being a kid and uh, you're, you're on the, say, let's pick basketball. Okay. You're on the basketball court and your parents have just gotten a divorce and one sitting over on one side, the other one sitting on the other side, and you don't know who to look to. You're this kid, like they used to sit together, but you don't know who to look to. So you don't look anywhere. And you start to really like this, like think that these games aren't fun anymore. The sport's not fun anymore because you're spending too much time trying to figure out whose feelings you're going to hurt. Then there's three minutes left in the game. And uh, you know that it's about to come to an end and you start getting anxious. You can't really focus on the game because you know you're about to have to choose which parent to walk over to. And when you have to, and, and then you have to start thinking about the feelings, you have to think about the excuses, you have to think about what you're going to say, you're going to think about, this is what's happening to so many children, they're having to adult their parents. And so when you think about this, I want you to ask yourself, what parent do you want to be? What kid, what do you want to be and how do you want to show up? And um, the those are the three things that I like to like actually say, because everybody's going to make their own decisions and there's not one right or wrong way to actually, I can't tell you step-by-step step how to navigate this, but if I can give you an idea of where, of the perspective of what other people might be going through that are impacted by what you are going through, um, it might help you figure out who you want to be in the situation. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, now in your situation, um, what makes it a little different than other, some other situations is that your ex did pass away. Um, so how many years after you divorced did that happen? So we got divorced in 2016 and he passed away in 2021. So I guess like five, five years. And I will say this, this is another layer that I think is important. Um, forgiveness. 
when you're going through a divorce, um, I think the first order of business for you is to, and for me anyways, I had to forgive. In order to show up as the person that I wanted to be for my son, I had to forgive. And I know that sounds really hard and crazy and cheesy in a lot of ways, but when we like when we practice forgiveness and realize that, I mean, I know that I've come through from my own traumas in life, and I know that experiences have shaped me in certain ways to believe things or get triggered for some certain things. And I'm no different than any other human that's walking this earth. I'm no different than my ex-husband. And whatever experiences that he went through could have played a role in how he responded to certain situations that we were in together, which caused some conflict. And when I come from a place from forgiveness, that I could forgive him in the way that he was doing because he didn't realize, you know, whatever happened to him, this was the only roadmap that he had and that I should not take it personally. Um, even if it was very personal, I'm no longer allowing it to be personal. I'm allowing it to, I'm allowing to forgive him and come to him with compassion and add it with compassion. And once I did that, I was so free in so many ways. And I was able to handle situations so differently because I wasn't so emotionally tied to them. And I'm really, really glad that I did that because during COVID, uh, I was, you know, we had a a decent relationship, a good co-parenting relationship. Uh, And then towards the end of COVID, um, you know, he came to us with, with some challenges that he was experiencing. And he was very scared to come with us with those challenges because I I could have taken, you know, a lot of things away from him, but because we had this co-parenting relationship and I knew how important he was to my son, um, I, I would never do that. And we partnered with him. We helped him. We walked alongside him. He would come over for Sunday dinners. We opened up Christmas presents together on Christmas morning, like where he got to see my son open up Christmas presents from Santa and so did I at the same time. We had a surprise birthday party for my son together. Um, we did those not because we were best friends, but because we had something in common and we both loved our kids and they deserved that. And uh, I'm just really thankful for for the steps that we took to, I'm not saying every relationship's going to end that way, but when my ex passed away, I was actually there. It was a traumatic experience for me, but I also realized that I had to go tell my son that his hero wasn't coming back. We didn't, if my son didn't realize or know that I appreciated and respected his dad, his grieving process would look so different. His grieving process would look different because he'd be scared to tell me when he missed him. He'd be scared to tell me, ask me questions about him. He'd be scared to ask for stories about his dad. And he'd be scared to tell me that he was really sad. And instead of, of that, yeah, I was able to link arms with him and we did it all together. You know, we have a jar, we have a memory jar of dad. You know, I've known his dad for 20 years. We have 20 years of the stories together. And, um, and he, he's, he's, does, is, he's not scared to talk to me about it. And I feel like my son has been able to heal in such a manner that um, makes him feel alive and still very close to his dad without ever feeling he's hurting my feelings. Yeah, that's amazing. It's and so important. And, you know, like none of us know what the future holds. So when you go through a divorce, you know, yes, maybe people are, you know, they're not in their 90s or 80s and you don't think anyone's going to die, but but we don't know. And, um, you know, I, I think for your son to know that he can talk to you when he's because, of course, he's going to miss his father. Of course, he's going to have 
you know, those difficult moments and to be able to come to you and, and share how he's feeling. That's so important. Uh, so I have tremendous respect for you and being able to, to do that. Um, because, and did you find like for your son, like I, I lost a parent when I was in my teens and my parents were also, uh, they never divorced, but they were separated. And I always say to people, I found the death of my mother much, much, much more difficult and stressful than my parents' separation ever was. And I mean, that might have been because they handled the separation very amicably and I wasn't caught in like a tug of war or something in the middle of it. Um, But I'm wondering with your son, if you have any sense of which was harder for him to cope with um, the divorce or losing his father. I, I think losing his father was probably way, way harder um, because he was older, you know, because he was older and he, and I think that if we would have gone through a divorce and he was a little bit older, you know, it, it, I don't know the answer to that, you know, but I think both of them were really hard and um, Owen, Owen is my son, but he's, he does have, he does often ask me like, why did you guys get a divorce or why did you, um, but I think the co-parenting and the way that we respected each other, he, he realized that he had four people that actually really loved him. He didn't feel so tugged between the two. It wasn't always like that. It took a year or two to really get to that spot Took probably two years, you know, to get to that spot. But, um, but once we were there, it was, it was all worth it. Yeah. And, and were you, when you were in these situations where you were having your ex over and your son's opening Christmas presents and you're doing all this as a family, were you able to um, create an environment where you weren't being treated in a disrespectful manner by your ex that, and there wasn't, you know, any tension in the air that your son would pick up on? And if so, like, how did you do that? Because, how, you know, how do you have someone who, you know, is bad mouthing you to your son and who, you know, was extre- kicked out of co-parenting uh, counseling or whatever, you know, how do you take that person and get to a point where you can sit there and open Christmas gifts as a family and it's not an air of tension um, and he's not acting in a way that's disrespecting you that your son would be seeing? Yes, and we didn't always have Christmas together, especially during those high, high conflict times. But I, but we did pitch in and get him Christmas presents together during those high conflict times. And one of the advices, the best advice that I had received from my co-parenting counselor was because I would be triggered so often by this man when he would send me text messages, when he would randomly drive by my house, when I'd hear certain things from my son, for all these things. Um, I, uh, she told me to create a rule. I am not texting, uh, no texting allowed, um, email only. And so there's like a timestamp. It's very clear, like we can go through, um, no conflict in email, just like straight to the facts, run it like a business. If my intention is my son, and, and as long as he knows that like, no matter what he does, I'm not going to respond to that. I am going to keep it in the business of what's best for our kid. And once he started to realize that I wasn't, I wasn't saying bad things about him to my son. I wasn't feeding into all of this drama that he was creating. Um, and I was just very businesslike when it came to that. Then it like, it got worse before it got better, but the consistency was key. 
And, and I think that that became when I, when I would go to him and say, Hey, I'm ordering these things for Owen for Christmas. Would you like to get him anything from there? And I can, we can co go in on it or split the shipping. Cause it was like, you know, what of the shipping was high or whatever. You know, when we started, when I started offering things like that, he started to slowly back off and realize that I was trying to be a partner with him and not create conflict with him. That's great. Now, if listeners would like to work with you or learn more about your story, what's the best way for them to find you? Sure. Um, TheLindsayEllis.com is my website and you can find me there. Um, also, if you wanted to do your values, you can do LiveMyValues.com and download that free thing. And that also puts you in touch with me. Perfect. And I'll, I'll put the uh, the link for both of those uh, with the podcast as well. So listeners can easily find it. Um, but thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Um, I, you know, you're, you offer some incredible advice for people and your story is so inspiring. And I, I just always love an inspiring story. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love your, I love listening to your podcast. Thank you for everything that you're doing for all of us out there going through hard times. So we really appreciate it. And thank you to my listeners. Please like, subscribe, and join me here again next week on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounce back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits mm -hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to, you have, to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.